hello there, you fantasy calligraphers. This is the Fantasy Map, the most popular podcast about a 16-team salary cap superflex fantasy football league in the Mid-Atlantic region. Its sole purpose is to harass the owners of the league for their every decision, right or wrong. However, our audience keeps growing, so y'all don't seem to have a life as well. Welcome to the Mid-Atlantic premiere. Today, we have Alex of the Joe's Primo team, 3-3, three and three, Tyler of the Monocacy Street Meet, 2-4, and four, and myself, owner of the Iamsville Cartographers, O and 6, I think now? Yeah. Gentlemen, today we have our first listener-submitted trade, which I'm very excited about, and I think we're going to try to do a redraft, a way-too-early redraft of the first top 10 picks of the rookie draft, and, uh, you know, obviously do all the rest of the things that we do, but... Alex, welcome to the pod. Happy to be here. I've been listening all season. Uh, I'm not one of your downloads, but, you know, listen weekly. Listen, Alex, we need those downloads because our advertisers, they need to see numbers. All they care about is the bottom line and analytics. They don't even care about ROI. All right. Well, anyways, Alex, I have a quick question for you because I have seen your teams fall apart over the past three seasons. And it always is in some horrible way. And I just need to know, what deity did you upset? Did you piss like on an Indian burial ground? Like what, what happened here? How do you keep losing players? You know, just, just explain it to me. Yeah, you know, for a while, I thought it was good juju to keep Joe's primo team alive. Cause I think Joe was one of like the founding members in this league when I inherited the team. Now I'm starting to think it's like a Tampa Bay Devil Rays type of situation where we need to change the name, purge the evil, and then, you know, make the playoffs next year. Uh, so I think that's a, a little tease for the offseason. But uh, I don't know what more I can do. You know, draft well, try to do well in free agency, team dies year after year. For those not in the know, Alex has lost... Anthony Richardson, uh, I think the news just came out today, right, that he's getting season-ending uh, season surgery. And last season lost Brees Hall, obviously, to an ACL. It's just been a rough season. Tyler, do you have any, like, obviously you went through a rebranding thing uh, last year and had a you know, resurgence. Any advice in terms of how he should go about the branding and the marketing uh, I mean, I did go through a rebranding, but in kind of the same way Alex has, I kept the the old Dynasty team name, right? I adopted Street Meat, which is also came from, uh, apparently there was an owner in the middle uh, between myself and a previous owner. Um, but not only have I adopted that name, I now use it kind of across the board um, along with my last name, which fits pretty well with the uh, Street Meat theme. So in all of my fantasy leagues now i am cox's street meets um <laughs> uh, yeah and it, it goes over a lot of people people are like wow well, low-hanging fruit but here we are so <laughs> no alex stay, stay strong with with the joe's primo team alex is also one of the few who has refused to change the name to a city nickname format and i really like just stay strong man i gave too early so i I low-key like the name, but uh, it's getting harder year after year. It's absolutely bad luck. You should absolutely change it. And think about it. It's so much. It's going to be so much easier to sell your merch after uh, a full rebrand. We'll, we'll see. Well, uh, I'll bring you on as a marketing consultant this offseason, Byron. 
Absolutely. All right. And all I request is a 2025 first round pick. That's it. <laughs> okay. Moving on to this week's scores. Yeah, of course. So the first matchup of the week, we got Darnstown Drews versus the home run hitters. Uh, close match. Came down eight points between home run hitters and, and Drush. Um, you know, Drush's team kind of underperformed this week. Disappointing. Fi- finally gets Austin Eckler back. You know, Eckler has 25 points week one. Misses the next four games. Comes back eight points this week. Definitely disappointing. Um, you know, Clay's team pretty solid across the board today. So, you know, pretty good matchup there. Uh, the next matchup, you have myself, Joe's Primo team versus Virginia Ground and Pound. Uh, recovering after my brutal loss last week. Um, this one was never really in doubt, I don't think. Poor Tim. Uh, I was looking at his roster. He has 30 people on his roster. 15 of them are zeros this week. So he's not really working with a lot there. Cooper Cup came back. It's been great the last two weeks, but otherwise, you know, roster, not a lot going on there. So ne- never really in doubt for me. Uh, the next matchup we have, we have Frederick Scrubs, 128 and a half, uh, really taking it to the fancy footwork, uh, who managed to put up 72 points here. Uh, really just, you know, up and down the roster for Frederick Scrubs, uh, got, you know, above average production, right? Good weeks from Herbert, Walker, Kyron Williams before he went out, Pacheco, um, those those running backs really pulling through for Scrubs. On the other side, for fancy footwork, you had a lot of regression to the mean or below the mean for players like Gabe Davis and DK Metcalf and even C.D. Lamb, who finally has like a breakout week but still can't find the end zone. One touchdown on the season for him. And then really, his bottom, those bottom three positions we talk about from time to time, tight end, kicker, defense, coming up with a combined two points for him um, and really just giving him nothing there, which led to the blowout. Uh in this second matchup here, uh, we're just going to touch on for one second. Uh, Arlington Darlings scoring 103 points, so getting over 100 points uh, to get them to 4-2 and two against the Cartographers, who really, really are trying to set a new low bar. Uh, yes, they had five players score this week, uh, getting them to 32.3 points. Three of those players were Zach Ertz, Evan McPherson, and Atlanta Falcons. They only got four. 15.1 points from Swift and Breda with no quarterbacks and no wide receivers scoring a single point. Um, on the other side for the Darlings, uh, able to break 100 with really absolute crap performance from running backs. A theme we'll see with some of the winners this week and honestly throughout uh, fantasy-wide this year as running back has kind of been a um, truly boom and bust position in ways I don't think we've seen in a while. Additionally, the Breezewood Nuts beat uh, Jagginoff, a team name I cannot wait to stop saying whenever CJ makes another change. Uh, 123.66 to 116.12. It takes the Nuts to 5-1 and and Jagginoff to 2-4. Unfortunately, David Montgomery left the game and looks like he's probably going to miss a little bit of time. Um, You know, big outputs from Adam Thielen and Tyree Kill here on the Nuts side. And for Jagginoff... Uh, it doesn't matter how those two QBs get there. They seem to end up as a top tandem every week. Um, and he just gets solid output up and down the roster. I do think the 2-4 and four record is a little... Uh, they should probably be 3-3. Three and three. Um, It'll be really interesting to see as we approach the trade deadline whether Jagannoff is selling or buying 
Um, and for the Nuts, definitely buying to kind of shore up some weaknesses up and down that roster, especially at tight end and maybe even in the running back room um, as they, you know, deal with a little bit of the injury bug. Um, Nuts has looked like a great team all season, though, and, and, and should continue to be there. Moving on, in a surprise upset, the now 2-4 and four street meet beat the 3-3 three and three Luchadors 111-58. to 58. For the Luchadors, who started 3-0, and it's quite the tumble from atop the power rankings. The whole team failed to do anything with the highest scoring player being Curtis Samuel. He also lost fields to a dislocated thumb, who is now questionable for the net for next week. Meanwhile, in a tale of two cities, the resurgent street meets have a QB2 in Gardner Minshew, thanks to Richardson's season-ending surgery. Again, Alex, I'm so sorry. And a QB3 in Tyson Badgett. They also have Zach Evans. So, did I guess, Tyler, you just you got a team this week? That's, that's pretty nice. Like, in another surprising win, the now 3-3 three and three Loose Cannons beat the last undefeated team, 5-1. Rams are the best, 89-74. to 74. Rams still don't have any running backs worth a damn, but the loss of Justin Jefferson makes this team very vulnerable. He has to be excited about Sam Howell on a $3 two-year deal, though. Loose Cannons didn't do anything really too earned the win, but they played well enough not to lose. And unfortunately, Zach Moss couldn't repeat his 32-point performance, and Puka took a back seat to Cup. But a win's a win, and they're still in the thick of it. And the last game that we have, gentlemen, is going to be, we're going to just all talk about it, because it was so close. It was two 4-1 teams going head-to-head, and the difference was five points. I'm talking, of course, about the Punks Katani Pensive Parakeets beating the Philly Citywide 103 to 98. Tyler, you got any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, really, this is the the teams that benefited most from the cartographer's tank job, right? And I know Evan didn't start uh, for the Parakeets. He didn't start any of the players he got in that kind of like massive swap with you where he received a big pile of stuff and I guess Zach Wilson. Um, but you know who he did start is, is Patrick Mahomes, who wouldn't be on his roster if you were really, if you weren't throwing this season. Um, and he didn't have a seller performance, but with Devon HN out, uh, Raheem Mostert really, uh, carried Evan to the win. And that was, that was the difference, honestly, was the big performances as opposed to kind of a flat across the board performance from, from citywide. Yeah, you really got to feel bad for Kyle, I think, this week. It's a big feels bad. He, he did a really great job setting his lineup. Uh, you know, he all the right picks, all the way across the board. You can't fault someone for, you know, having a better kicker, better defense on the board. And he really just ran into the buzzsaw that was Raheem Mostert this week. Uh, bad beats for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. All right, let's move on then. We did have a trade this week that was real. Uh, it was... Jags, the Jagoffs trading Luke Schoonmaker. Is that how I say his name? I got him, so I should probably know. Uh, the tight end for Dallas, he was $2, a rookie, so he has a, he's on a three-year deal. And the Iamsville Cartographers sent Kylan Granson, a tight end for the Indianapolis Colts, $1, who was also on a three-year deal. These, you know, these deals are so small, but for those that want to know our salary cap is $300. So obviously a, a fraction of that. Um, 
does anyone even care to say a thing about this? Tyler, let's go start with you. I mean, look, I, this is uh, barely moves the needle trade. What I would say is Titans take a long time to develop. Kylan Granson's in year three um, and has shown flashes scoring touchdowns occasionally, um, but is heavily, heavily, heavily touchdown dependent um, and was showing a little more with... Um, honestly, with Minshew involved. So it'll be interesting to see. That was kind of the theme of last year with him as well when Minshew was in, uh, or not Minshew, sorry, when the backup was in in Indy there. I think it was Brissett last year. Granson would kind of play a little better, pick up and score a little. Um, Luke Schoonmaker, we'll see what's to be of his career. Um, you know, both of them being on three-year cheap deals, I guess he had, I kind of lean towards Granson, who's already a little developed. Um, but really, this is like, not worth more time than I just spent on it. Absolutely right. Alex, do you want to spend any more useless time on it? I mean, it's truly a trade that will, you know, be in the history of the league for years to come. Uh, I don't know how any of us are ever going to forget this. Uh, it is Luke uh, Schoonmaker. Uh, you know, got to represent my, my Dallas Cowboys tight ends. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it's coin flip. You know, $1 versus $2 is probably the more important part of this trade. Hey, if you can get him to pronounce player names right, Alex, in your one appearance and on this podcast, it would be fantastic. So, I heard that's how you help ratings. Let's move on to the much more exciting topic, however, because Andrew from Oregon. Now, gentlemen, before I begin, I need to remind the listeners who Andrew is. Andrew was our very first listener that was not part of the league. He reached out to me on reddit after we post i think some funny ad or something like that and just said hey i really like your podcast and then a year later he followed up with me and was like listen every day makes my like every thursday really makes my day and so this is the legend that is andrew we have talked about him before on the podcast and i just before i even get to the trade that we're going to talk about he sent a very nice note and i want to read it out loud and i swear to god this is entirely real Ha ha. I am overjoyed that you remember me, and I'm honored to be considered a legend and the first listener. You guys have helped make my work week wrap up in an easier fashion each week, and I am each week I am able to catch an episode or make my Saturday a little bit more enjoyable. I cackled at the Taylor Swift ad. Great stuff so far this season. Thank you, Andrew. I think maybe the only one who liked the Taylor Swift ad, but I appreciate the fact that you said it. Um, all right. Now, on to the trade. I should mention that neither of these players that traded are Andrew himself. This is part of his a redraft league. It's a, it's a keeper league, uh, and he wants to know our opinion on it. Now, for Andrew's trade, Team 1 receives Tua Tungavaloa, and Team 2 receives George Pickens and Jaleel McLaughlin. Alex, let's start with you. Please remember that this is a redraft league. There is keepers, but it's a redraft league. And one QB. Not two. One. Yeah, this is a tough one. You know, it's hard without seeing a lot of additional context, right? You know, in our league, quarterbacks are, in some cases, arguably overvalued. And in other leagues, you know, quarterbacks don't mean anything. Um I think seeing a starting receiver, borderline starting running back for a quarterback in a smaller league, 
I kind of like this, you know, diversifying your team if you have the resources. I feel like if you're trading away Tua, you probably have a pretty viable solution for that quarterback spot. So kind of like the trade. Yeah, you know, I feel like this is a um, really a contender trading away, uh, trading away some young assets to pick up Tua. Um, and I really, really think that the team sending Pickens and McLaughlin probably capitalized. Uh, this trade happened before Thursday night's game with the Broncos. So I really think that uh, they capitalized on Pickens' great performance coming out of last week and Jaleel McLaughlin's hype coming out of last week to go up and get a quarterback that in a keeper league is going to do them really well for a long time um, or help push them over the top. Um, I honestly think this trade's probably good for, for both teams. I do think George Pickens is going to benefit from whoever the Steelers have at quarterback in the future. Um, and and one additional player who they cut immediately, the team receiving Tua, also picked up Tyler Boyd in this trade. Um, if this was traditional dynasty, I like this trade a lot more on balance. But they cut Tyler Boyd immediately. Um and I actually think he has a, a future when T. Higgins is no longer on the Bengals um, that that looks a little brighter. But, you know, getting Tua this year, uh, barring, you know, his brains falling out of his ears, is probably a great move for a contender. So I like to trade more for the Tua side than the Pickens-McLaughlin side, even before Thursday. So Yeah, I have to agree with you, Tyler. I, I'm much more in favor of the... Uh... Of a Loa trade, I, I like obviously you throw out depend. We don't really know where these two players are. They like their teams, what their record is right now. So you know, maybe this changes it completely. But I like the team that gets the best player, and Tonga Valoa is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So you're gonna win. I think my vote based on that, and I don't really have anything else to add. Now, I guess my. My only concern in a keeper league is that Pickens might cost you like a fourth round pick next year or a third round pick in a in a redraft keeper league. That is that's quite a bit of capital to give up around that spot. And and two is gonna cost you maybe round five, six, seven. Like you you way overpay if you think about it next year, unless Tua is the thing that pushes you over the top. I unfortunately withheld information from you, Tyler, that may change your value then because there is no cost to keeping. No player cost, no salary cost. You just get to keep whoever you want. So, for instance, if you have 101, you have Justin Jefferson, you can keep them, and you still keep your first-round pick. Oh, wow. Then uh, I definitely lean the two aside pretty hard there. That changes a lot, cause like, yeah, yeah, it's Tua. Uh, yep, give me Tua. Yeah. All right, yeah. let's move on, gentlemen. I'm not prepared for this whatsoever, but I was thinking it's we have to wait one more week until we can do midpoint where we add in the season. Who's gonna make the playoffs now? And so I had to come up with some filler content. I looked actually at last year's episode to you know give me an idea of what we talked about. I wasn't on that pod. It was just you, Drew, and Dave. And you guys did not get through the recap until 40 minutes into the podcast. Which I was, I was listening to. I was like, this can't be right, right? Like, I mean, God bless it. Like, <laughs> You know, there was no one to keep us on track. 
dad was gone. Mom was home alone. It was all fucking candy and and you know Doritos and dinner at nine forty five. It was a great week. Uh, I mean, I, I love it. It's absolutely you know. Sometimes you just gotta have fun with it. So, Tyler, we've talked about this before. If you were to have one hundred and one, who would you draft now in the season? It's obviously way too soon. We know these players take a while to develop. Maybe their situation needs to get better. But we're not trying to argue that this is right. We're trying to argue that this is fun. So here's the order. Alex, you're going to go one. Actually, Alex, you have to go 102 because, well, obvious reasons. You were 102. Tyler, let's go with you 101, and then I'll go 103, and we will just continue that order until we get through, I don't know, the top 10. Yeah, and I want to be clear. I think we we need to make sure we're we're pretty transparent about this. This is for a super flex or two quarterback league, and we have 16 teams in our league, so just anybody listening, when you're evaluating picks, there's only 32 starting quarterbacks, so they're even more premium in a 16-team league than what most of you probably do at 12 teams. For that reason, in our league, C.J. Stroud is the number 101 to me. Um, God bless America. I said it. I'm on the record on several podcasts saying that he would be the best quarterback coming out of this draft. If you go back to, to our offseason stuff, um, I, I stood by that the whole time, and it's borne out. Um, you know, Bryce Young's too small. Uh, C.J. Stroud looks like a freaking fifth or eighth year vet coming out and is actually I think I said this off the podcast to you Byron earlier this week but he looks like he is unfortunately for the Texans who need the draft capital he has pushed them two or three years ahead of where they need to be so that you know top five pick um they thought they were gonna have um which I think they gave up for Anderson but still like it's not gonna be in the top five anymore it's he's pushed them so far ahead and he's doing it cleanly, so he's not costing you those interception points that young quarterbacks typically do. Um, and knowing that you're going to have him in a dynasty format for 10 to 14 years, um, and because of his style of play and build, his injury risk is lower than either of the other two top quarterbacks that came out. He is by far, up, even above Bijan, who I think has looked amazing, the 101 to me. Well said. All right, Alex, you're picking 102 again. Who do you go for this time? Yeah, I have the same nerves now as I did on draft day. Um, but I think even with the injury, I think in all the context that Tyler gave, I still think it's Anthony Richardson. Uh, when he's been on the field, he's been fantastic. Uh, not only just as a fantasy quarterback, he's actually been better than I think people expected in real life, not just putting up rushing stats. Um, Obviously, the shoulder injury, big damper on it. Gets some question marks going into next year. But in, in this kind of league where we have three years to evaluate plus the rookie option, uh, I think it's a no-brainer to stick with the quarterback that has shown he can produce on the field. I mean, for me, at 103, I, I get a, I'm a little surprised that I'm even stuttering. But I, I think I still am going to go B. John Robinson. The reason I'm stuttering is obviously Devin A-Chain, A-Chan, I don't know how to say his name. I'm going to go with A-Chain because I prefer it. 
let's face it, the guy touches the ball and he goes for 50 yards. It's really hard not to love that type of player. And the fact that Drew has him on a two-year deal is just all the more exciting. But Bijan just looks like the guy who's going to stay healthy. He looks like the guy who could become the next Adrian Peterson, all of those type players. So um, I just feel very comfortable with going in that direction. Yeah, uh, I'm taking A-chan here, right? Like, I know he got hurt. I know he's going to miss time. I know his frame is small, so I'm kind of contradicting myself with the the take about Stroud. Um, But this is a completely different position, and he's in literally, if you could bottle crack cocaine and put it into (laughs) an NFL offense, he's he's on the right team. Like, what was it? it? As of week four, seven of the top seven fastest players in the NFL in a real NFL play were all Miami Dolphins plays and players. So A-Chain had A-Chan, I'm sorry, we're learning how to pronounce his name. So had two or three of those appearances. Um, When he gets back on the field, injuries aside, we saw him throw up 30 plus and 25 plus in back-to-back weeks and was on pace for that before the injury again. Like he's going to be amazing. He's going to be great. Uh, it's a perfect combination of player and system. And I think it's also important to add that he was selected, if I haven't said it already, with pick 17 in our draft. All right. Well, I know I just talked about how important quarterback is in our league, and we talked about the context of having three years, maybe four, to evaluate. Bryce Young is still on the board. I'm not taking Bryce Young. Uh, Puka Nakua has been fantastic this year. Um, if you're a team looking to win now, he has been awesome. If you're a team that wants an asset for a few years down the road, it looks like he's also going to be a number one receiver. Um, yeah, Puka, easy. Yeah, and Puka drafted 31 in our league. Uh, that is obviously, I think, the most attractive players. I would say that they are in their own tier, right? And then we get into tier two, and I think that's when you get stuck. There are players that have played better that season, but again, because of our league format, I have to go Bryce Young at 106. Give me the quarterback. He hadn't had the best start for the first five weeks. He played much better last week, and I'll just take the easy points that a QB provides. I mean, I think you're right, and the underlying metrics for Bryce Young are are there. Like, he's he's not playing poorly. He's just on a poor team. Um yeah, and so you leave me in kind of the unfortunately sticky spot here of going next and having to take someone. Um, and I think at this point I'm just going to rely on on what I saw coming out. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Jameer Gibbs here still. Um, we've seen it in flashes in Detroit. David Montgomery continues to struggle with injuries um, despite being productive when he's been healthy. But the flashes from Gibbs are enough to keep me on the hook, and I'm going to go ahead and take him here. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like Tyler has teed me up a lot in this one. Um, I'm going to go with Zay Flowers. You know, he's a receiver that has shown flashes week after week. Uh, He is going to be the number one in Baltimore. Um, He's the number one for an all-pro quarterback, I think. With what he's shown so far, um, you know, the only other receiver is really competing with touches there is Odo Beckham Jr. is not going to be there for very long. Um, I think it's just an easy pick. You know what? And I'm going to go with Jordan Addison. I think that he's played very well with pick 109. Am I 109? I think I'm 109. 109, I think Jordan Addison has played tremendously well. There's a couple of players on the field 
that I do kind of want to pick, but I just can't convince myself to pick a tight end at 109 in our league. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Jordan Addison. Tyler. Yeah, but I can convince myself to take a tight end at 110, and it's going to be Sam Laporta. Um, We should caution everyone, including ourselves, against making comparisons to Rob Gronkowski. Um, When talking about tight ends, he's probably the best to ever do it. But goddamn, does Sam Laporta have a combination of size, speed, um, hands, and then he's also actually pretty good in the run and pass blocking game. Um, And he just, he really does embody that, like, Lions mentality of beating the piss out of the people across from you. Um, Sam Laporte is going to be really good for a really long time um, and is way, way ahead of of the tight end development curve that usually does take that three to four years. Um, I'm going to take Laporta at 10 for sure. Are you guys, we should keep going, right? Like, or, or, or do we? I think we can get to it. Yeah. 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 Finish we're going to go. Right go. Okay. All right, Alex, take it away. Go to 11. Oh my God. I, <laughs> Who's yeah, sorry, you got the point. cliff pick. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, we're moving on. We're done here. Uh, you know, we talked about um, CJ Stroud earlier, how great he's looked. One of my big draft strategies every year, if I can, is always pairing my quarterback with a weapon. Uh, Tank Dell has been really good. Really undersized wide receiver in, in Houston. You know, he's not the number one there. I think Nico Collins has been outperforming him so far, but... Um, Tank Dell fits that mold of, you know, the modern shifty small wide receiver. Um, I definitely think it's a really high upside pick there. Yeah, I really like that pick. I think, though, that with 12, I'm going to go with Rasheed Rice. I like the potential that he's already showing in what is pretty an em- pretty much an empty wide receiver core with KC. I think that he's going to do very well. Tyler? Yeah, are we are we going all the way to fifteen then? Because I'm going to go be, all the way to sixteen. Let's give let's it a go shot. to fifteen. Okay, so I'm going to get two more. Then I'm going to get uh, pick thirteen here. You took Rasheed Rice, which is who I was hoping would fall on the way back to me, um, but he didn't. Um, so now we're we've actually now taken in order all of the most productive rookie players. Um, I am going to take though, uh, kind of going. Now we now we have to go for like. A little bit of a dart throw here. I'm going to take Tajay Spears, mm. who has gotten a lot of touches in Tennessee, or maybe not a lot, but a lot more than I, I thought we'd see. Um, and Derrick Henry's been productive throughout it, but he's not been like wildly productive throughout it. And they really do lean on him way more than I thought. And uh, if if Henry were to go down, or next year if they move on from him, um, in a in a cost cutting move, Tajay Spears looks like they're ready to just kind of turn it over to him and maybe some sort of like run of the mill backup. So yeah, I'll take Tajay Spears here. Nice. Uh, so the next player I have is someone we've basically seen nothing of on the field yet. So it's, it's all conjecture and upside. But Jackson Smith and Jigba was far and away the number one receiver when we were doing our draft back in August. And, you know, we haven't talked about him yet this season because he hasn't really done anything, but I still think all of that upside, the reason everyone was so hyped about him is still there. Uh, I think he's finally started getting some uh, snaps this most recent week with the Seahawks. So I think it's all upside from here for him as well. Could that be Um, because, you know, uh, 
what's his face, cannot stop getting unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in critical game situations. DJ Metcalf. It's possible. It's very possible. And Alex, how dare you? How dare you take a sensible pick, right? Like, oh, what? He didn't go do well in the first six weeks of his career. Like, he's still very talented. No, that's not what this is about. This is reactionary, all right? And so with that logic, give me at 115 Josh Downs. I think you picked him at pick 23 in our draft. I think he's played very well for a young guy. I think he's going to hit over what I consider a, the threshold, which is 650 yards in his rookie season. When he hits 650 yards in your rookie season, the chances that you'll be a wide receiver two at least in the first three years of your career jumps up, I don't know, like 40 or 50%. So it's just playing the odds. Give me Josh Downs. I like the guy. Yeah, and to round out our first round, getting to 116, uh, we stress the importance of quarterbacks. And after what we saw happen in Tennessee this past week, uh, where Tannehill went down, same ankle he's injured last year and previously. Um, and what we've seen in the past from Malik Willis and what we saw in the second half of that game from Malik Willis, I think taking Will Levis here at 116, getting the value of almost very similar to what, what Tennessee did in real life, um, except making the smarter choice and moving him into the first round to be able to get that fourth-year extension. Um yeah, I'm taking Levis. Well, gentlemen, that rounds out the first round. So, I guess, pun there, of our rookie redraft. I'm interested to hear from our listeners how upset that either made you or how much you agreed to us. So, if you want, you can always email us at the Fantasy Map. I think it's just the Fantasy Map, but it might be the Fantasy Map podcast. You'll find it in the notes if you look. But we always love to hear from you. And let's move on to next week's games, starting off our most uncompetitive game, and we'll go to our most competitive game, is Ionzil Cartographers 0-6 versus Joe's Primo Team 3-3. Joe's Primo Team actually currently does not have the largest spread, but that's because many of the people in our league have not updated their rosters yet. Shockingly, though, Alex, you... This is a good week to get a free win. You know what I mean? Because you've got a lot of players hurt and a lot of players on by, including both your defenses. And we only have one defense on the waiver wire, the Panthers, who are also on by this week. Yeah, I think uh, more than a third of my team is either injured or on a bye this week. So perfect timing. I planned it out from the beginning. I knew this was going to happen. Never in doubt. In our next matchup, we have the Loose Cannons versus Fancy Footwork. Uh, Fancy Footwork, unfortunately, is going to suffer from a hell of a bye week as they lose both C.J. Stroud and C.D. Lamb. Uh, Fortunately, they're going to get Tyrod Taylor in there, but at wide receiver, they're going to be, you know, Chris Godwin, but he hasn't been that great this year. Uh, The other options uh, leave something to be desired. Uh, On the other side, Loose Cannons look to go to Four and three as Baker Mayfield and Trevor Lawrence, uh, along with the return of Saquon Barkley and Javante Williams, hopefully to full health, should carry them over the likes of Jonathan Taylor and Jaleel McLaughlin. Um, And then the wide receivers have it running away with Olave. Nakua maybe cooling off a little bit, but still really good. And Jerry Judy. So expect a, a blowout as the line on this game is 39 right now, but should probably drop to about 22 
once some substitutions are made. Yeah, so next we have what I believe is the first of two fratricide matchups this week. So we have Kyle O'Brien, Philly City Vide versus Lewis Pro Luchadors, Justin O'Brien. Byron did not plan this, and he did not realize it. I can see it on his face. Production value, there we go. So right now the spread is 42 points in favor of Philly Citywide. You know, looking at these rosters, I don't see much that Justin can do to kind of close the gap. Um, the quarterbacks, I think, are kind of a toss-up. Lamar Jackson, Jordan Love versus Russell Wilson, Justin Fields. You know, Fields and Wilson could come out of nowhere. Uh, but the running backs, you know, Aaron Jones, I think, takes kind of the, the cake for all the running backs in this matchup, even the ones on the bench. Um, and I think Justin's really depending on Devontae Adams or Debo Samuel to blow up here to really have a chance. So, gentlemen, I have the home run hitters three and three versus Jagannath two and four with Jagannath the favorites by negative 31 points. I went on here and I thought, oh, hey, the home run hitters have not updated their roster yet because they have Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon both on by. And so I scrolled down to see who else they have out of running backs that they could potentially play instead. And they have Leonard Fournette, not on a team, but also considered on by. Chris Evans, also on by. And then Tajay Spears, the backup to Derrick Henry, who, of course, would there be on by. And so maybe I was like, well, let's look at their super flex spot. They've got Ryan Tannehill on by, Case Keenum on by, and Bryce Young on by. <laughs> this is just about as bad of luck as you possibly can get. So I think it's quite in favor of Jagadoff. Uh, they're 93% favorites on our website, so I think they're getting to three and four. Moving on. Yeah, I have the Frederick Scrubs favored by 21 and a half over Rams are the best uh, from Vienna. Uh, the Rams are the best come in of five and one and have put this together largely on the backs of an incredible receiver core and great, um, maybe even beyond great play from Josh Allen and Sam Howell on a fantasy standpoint. Uh, however, the Scrubs are have uh, Ramondre Stevenson, James Cook, and Kyron Williams I'm sorry, I'm reading their bench. Uh, I'm sorry, their starters are Kenneth Walker, Brian Robinson, and Isaiah Pacheco, which when you look across at what the Rams have to offer and Jordan Mason and Rashawn Johnson, uh, that kind of tells the tale of the tape for this matchup. Additionally, uh, Devontae Smith has had a underperforming season, to say the least, and the Rams will be relying on Jameson Williams and Calvin Austin the third to fill in the gaps at receiver as... Uh, as JJ has gone out and T Higgins is on by. Um, I think uh, the scrubs are going to get this done in kind of a walking away. No need to even look at this. So take the scrubs. Featuring our closest line of the week as a recording, we have Monocacy street meat versus Breezewood nuts. Uh, you know, five point spread on the site right now, looking at the two rosters though, looking at the seasons have gone, you know, it's two teams going in opposite directions. Street Meats had a rough run of it so far, two and four. Breezewood Nuts, five and one, most points scored in the league, really been just dominating all season. Um, I Even looking at the rosters, sorry, Tyler, I don't really see how the site has it as close as it is. Um, I see that a lot more star power on Breezewood Nuts. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts could always pop off, but I'm not really impressed by Tyson Badgett, Zach Evans, Kendrick Bourne. Uh, maybe the sun god has something to say about this, but I'm, I think uh, Breezewood takes this one running away. 
All right. And for our last two matchups, we're all going to kind of talk about this. Uh, I had, because I, I struggled to figure out which matchup should be the ideal matchup. Uh, Punskatani Pensive Parakeets versus the Darnstown Druze. The Parakeets are 5-1. and one. The Druze are 3-3. Three and three. Parakeets are 10-point favorites in this matchup with a 72% chance to win. This one feels like it could have ramifications later in the season. I think while Drew's team is so good, it does feel like this is kind of a must win and injuries are starting to pile up. Tyler, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, Travis Etienne has looked incredible over the past two weeks for Drush, Um and getting Austin Eckler back really you know, you don't have to mess around anymore with Justice Hill, Antonio Gibson, even though he scored a touchdown last week, um, and Devon Achan, who's out, right? You don't have to mess around with your running back spot anymore. It's kind of set it and forget it. Um, and those two are are going to be a heavy, heavy hitters. Um, if we see that regression we just saw out of Brock Purdy against Cleveland's defense, um, luckily he gets to go against Minnesota this week. Um, but if, if, if that carries over, you know, sometimes all it takes in a young quarterback is a little bit of rattling the cage. Um, Jimmy G gets Chicago, but that's the lowest total on the board for the week at 37 and a half. So um, don't expect a whole lot out of him either. Um, so, you know, Drush could really see an up and down week out of his side of the roster, which is kind of why, you know, it only has a 28% uh, win percentage for him. And that's assuming that Jimmy G plays, right? Like yeah, he's got he, two players in his lineup, Deontay Johnson, who obviously coming back from an IR and a hamstring, we don't know how much they'll employ him. And then Jimmy G had the back issue last week. This is a dangerous game for sure. And we just really don't know what we'll see. Travis Etienne, while he did score two touchdowns last week, did go back to kind of a mediocre yards per carry. And let's, let's off, that's not a good indication of talent. I'm not trying to say it is, but, you know, Obviously, when he traded for him, he was hoping a little bit more productivity and more success per carry. So hopefully he gets the touchdowns to convert. Alex, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I, you know, this is close, but I, I kind of think what's going to end up happening, I think Mahomes is due for a Patrick Mahomes type game. He hasn't really had one yet this year. He's been good, no doubt, but, you know, nothing really eye-popping. I kind of feel like Mahomes is going to go off on the Chargers, rivalry game for them, throw for 450 yards, five touchdowns, and kind of put this game away. Sunday afternoon. And then our last matchup of the week, Virginia ground and pound one in five versus the Arlington Darlings four and two. The Darlings are only favorites by five points, but gentlemen, this is Mike Ryan versus Tim Ryan, two identical twins. This, I was going to say this is the womb bowl, but the revelation that Though Bryans are also playing this week has left me in a tizzy. I don't really quite know what to do, so I'm just going to shut up. Alex, why don't you introduce them? Who do you have in this? Yeah, I, I sorry, Tim. I'm, I'm pretty sure Mike has this one running away, too. You know, I, I, I look at Tim's roster. It's It's got some holes. He's starting the league Cunningham this week. Uh, he's got the, the two-headed monster in the Atlanta backfield of Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson, but I don't really think that's enough star power to to really carry him over here when you when you look across what what Mike Scott with Geno Smith, Mari Cooper, Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore has been going off, Christian Kirk is great. Um, yeah, I think I think Mike Ryan wins bragging rights for the the Ryan family this week. 
You know, generally, I agree with you. Um, the The downside here is that Zach Charbonnet and Amir Abdullah are playing running back for, for Mike Ryan, while Josh Jacobs and uh, the combination, as you said, the dual-headed monster, Algier and B. John Robinson, in, I, and I misspoke earlier, I'm sorry, the lowest total on the board for the week is the Atlanta-Tampa game. Tampa Bay game at 37, not 37 and a half in Chicago, Vegas. But if you've got low totals, you can expect some salting away with the run game. Um, those running backs could really rack up yards in those games, um, if not touchdown opportunities um, with the poor quarterback play expected on all four sides going in. Um, so it might not matter that Malik Cunningham is starting. It might not matter that his best wide receiver, Cooper Cup, is coming off injury. Um, I think Tim's going to actually manage to keep this close. Um, and if he snuck out a win over some, some, you know, mercurial wide receivers in Cooper, Moore, and Kirk, it would not surprise me. Yeah, I, I don't think that this is – I see that there's – that Mike Ryan has a 79% chance to win on the website, but I'm worried, especially because Daniel Jones has been cleared to throw again. We don't know if that means he'll start, obviously – and even if he does start, it doesn't mean he's going to do anything more than, like, two points. He's not played well this season. However, it's still probably better than Malik Cunningham. I, then again, obviously, Mike Ryan has Amir Abdullah, who can be replaced with Najee Harris, so he has some upgrades as well. It's going to be—it it feels close. And I have to question, and I, I wonder, maybe I'm just too prone— to pulling the plug in a season. But don't you think Tim Ryan is close, right? He's already tanked in the previous season. We know he had a you know long-term strategy of tanking. Don't you, don't you have that fraternal love and you decide this is it? Or do you rip Mike's Ryan's heart out and take the win from him and then start tanking? Don't you have a sibling? Don't you know I, what it's like to be up against them in in any kind of competition? Mike Ryan could be in week 14, 0-13, not yet guaranteed the number 101 overall pick. I'm sorry I said Mike, but Tim Ryan could be guaranteed, all but guaranteed, the 101 if he lost that game, and he would start his best lineup in order to slaughter his twin. That's beautiful, Tyler. It's beautiful. All right. Those are our games for the season. Oh, excuse me, for the week. We do have... Uh, I texted Drew, and he has informed me that he doesn't know who won the competition, but he believes it's Cooper Cup, so congratulations, Tim. However, that is not guaranteed. Does anyone know what the competition this week is for the uh, award, the weekly award? Not a chance, Jim. Not a chance. All right. Well, you know what? You'll figure it out. Uh, no one else on the pod, I don't think, care. None of the other audiences, the audience that are not in our league, care. So, Joe, man, it's been a wonderful podcast. Thank you for your time. I do appreciate it. And good luck in your weeks. I'm coming out of my draft and I've been doing just fine. Gotta, gotta do well because I want it all. It started out with a trade. How did it end up like this? It was only a trade. It was only a trade. Now I'm watching the game, but I'm scoring nothing. While he's dropping the ball, eight's running it back. Now they're both of my team, and 
Cause I'm 